Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I'm, I'm excited to be sharing with you tonight and I, I want to talk to you tonight about having a new perspective, a new perspective. And Perspective is very important because the reality is this, your experience of life isn't necessarily an interaction with the truth, but your experience of life is your interaction with your perception of it. Hear what I'm saying? So whatever you see is real to you. Whatever you perceive is real to you, whether it's true or not, whether it's false or deception, whatever you see and believe becomes real to you. And you know, perception in our culture is so important because we live in the culture of fake news. You know, where, where there was a day when you could rely on news outlets to have some integrity in what they were putting out. You could believe that there were going to be facts that they were delivering to you. And to the best of their ability, they were trying to be unbiased. But that day's passed. And now media will show you a part of a video that portrays one thing. But if you saw the whole video, it tells a whole nother story. Come on, we live in a culture of fake news. We live in a culture where there is um, what they call deep fakes. Deep fakes. Have you heard this? It's a really cool show you should check it out called Deep Fakes, right? And it talks about where they can now get somebody's face and make them appear to be saying something they're not saying at all. Like they completely cr- There's one on Mark Zuckerberg. You should check it out on Instagram, right? Type, type deep fake Mark Zuckerberg. And it's him saying, yeah, we're just really ripping everyone off with Facebook and we just want to be really honest about it. And it completely looks like him, but it's a complete uh, simulation that's done by a computer, you know? And basically, they're talking about now that computers can artificially, with artificial intelligence, can track you, watch you, and then kind of copy you. And then that's how they're creating these kind of deep fakes, and they call it, yeah, through artificial intelligence and machine learning, they can manipulate or regenerate visual and audio content with a high potential to deceive. Governments around the road are trying to put through legislation to stop this kind of technology kind of taking place. It's crazy. So we live in an age where, more than ever before, it's important that we have the right perspective, the right perspective. I want to show you some photos that, uh, that where it shows you how much perspective is important, and uh, the first one they're going to put up here, and uh, wow, these girls have an incredibly large dog. And the next one, the next one, it says this, I thought this man was staring at me like a psychopath until I realized he put his glasses on the back of his head. (laughs) Come on, next one. That's that's an inappropriate photo bomb happening, maybe. Next one. Wow, unusually dressed waiter. Next one. Wow. He appreciates his fans, this NBA player, man. Tim Hudson appreciates his fans. Oh, yeah, and this, this man, his child's too old for that baby carrier. Way too old. Come on. Perception is everything, hey? Perception is everything. And uh, there, there's a comedian, this comedian Joe Rogan, and I saw on his uh, Instagram, and I wouldn't condone everything he says. I'm not supporting him on saying he's church appropriate. But I did see an interesting Instagram from him, and, uh, and he talked about how his 10-year-old daughter put him through a filter on her phone. Yeah, and that's what came out. And he said, this filter's just straight up satanic. You know, he's able to turn uh, an unstrange-looking man into a beautiful girl just by using this kind of filter on his daughter's phone. Crazy, hey? That's him. 
So that's him. His 10-year-old daughter took a photo of him, put it through a filter on her phone, then, then started laughing and showed him, and that's what came out. And he said, man, and he said, and people, young girls have got a trouble with their image and how they look these days, when basically it's kind of getting manipulated like that. It's where you're comparing yourself to something that's not even real. I mean, if you can make him look like that, wow. Come on. Come on. So you, this, come on. You hear me? You with me? It's crazy, hey. It's crazy. So we live in an age where perception is so important in how you perceive things. But I want to encourage you that the reality is, through our own eyes, we're never going to see things as they truly are. Unless we can get connected to God, come on, and get God's perspective on things, we're never going to really see things as they really are. The prophet Samuel, this is the background, the prophet Samuel has been sent by God to anoint the next king of Israel. And he's been told that the family he needs to go to, but he hasn't been told by God yet who the person he is to anoint. And he goes to the family, and it says this in 1 Samuel 16, 6-9. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly, the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I've rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. You know, I know as humans, we can quickly rate a person based on how attractive they are to us, or the way that they dress, or their hairstyle, or the brands of clothes that they wear, right? And I used to think that this scripture was only referring to that, that what it's basically saying is, hey, this guy looks great, and so... You know, Samuel's drawn to him, so he thinks, man, he'd make a good king. It must be him. But then they bring in David, who it says was in tending some sheep. So he's like a, just a shepherd, right? They bring David, and then he chooses David. But check this out. When he talks about David, he says he was handsome and rugged. And, you know, it was something also attractive about him. So the scripture cannot be saying that it's purely he's judging on the external. Here's what it's saying. He's saying that actually what we see isn't as it is. That God sees past not just the external appearance, but how things appear to be to you. How things appear to be to me. God sees past that and sees actually to the heart of the situation. So what he sees in David is he sees a heart after God. I love that. He sees a heart that's after God. And, and I love this, that that's all that actually God wants from us. All God actually needs from you and I that we might see as it truly is and really have perspective isn't that we need to do anything for God other than have a heart on with us after him. To say, God, I love you and I'm for you. And this is the cool thing, that David is not a perfect person. Right? God says he's got a heart after me. Wow, I mean, that's a big statement, hey? Got a heart after God and yet he commits adultery in his life. He's responsible for somebody being killed in his life. But he comes back from that. Why? Because ultimately his heart's for God. So his heart for God carries him right throughout life and enables him to live what God's intended for him. Even after making all of his mistakes and failings, he's able to do what God is calling him to do because he has a heart after God. I love it. I love it. And uh, this scripture talks about that, that, that actually before he chose David, he lined up all of his sons and they went through seven sons. Seven sons. And he's thinking, everyone goes like, nah, 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 nah. Then, they think, then the one that they think it can't be is the one that it is. You know, the one that they think that the scrawny shepherd boy smelling a sheep, it's actually him. It's actually him. And I was thinking about how all through the Bible, God looks past people's circumstance 
and he looks to their heart. Now think about it, right? Moses ran from justice and God used him. So Moses killed someone and then ran to get away from the consequence and God used him. Jonah ran from God, right? He ran from God and yet God powerfully used him. I mean, he literally ran from God, the person trying to help him and rescue him and save him. He ran from God and God still used him, right? Rahab ran a brothel. Come on. And she was used by God. Rahab, this, this, she, she was used in this powerful passage of scripture. She ran a brothel, but she was used by God. Come on. Sarah ran out of hope, but was used by God. Lot ran with the wrong crowd. Don't the story of Lot in the Bible, but he, man, this guy just got drawn to the wrong people. You know, he, he, all the time, he was with Abraham, his uncle, he done good, but he kept on hanging with the wrong people, man. He kept going to this place called Sodom. It's translated Northbridge. And basically, he kept going back. We kept saying, mate, get in church. And he kept going back to Northbridge. We said, bro, come on, get in church. He goes, I don't know why I've got a drug problem. He just kept going back to Northbridge. And we said, come on, come back to church. Come on, that was literally Lot's life. Literally, that was Lot's life. Lot kept on. He wanted it, but he didn't want it. He wanted it, but he didn't want it. He kept on in that place. Listen, and yet God used him. Come on. And David, human eyes, saw a gangly teenager smelling of sheep, and God used him him. If God can use all of these people just because their heart is for him, come on, what could he do with you and I? Seriously, what I need to hear this stuff, right? Because I need to remind myself that these people in the Bible were not perfect people. They're as flawed as me. They're as failed as me. They've messed up as many times as me. Come on. Come on. And God's ability to use them is not based on them being perfect and having it all together. But it's about their heart ultimately was soft and right for God. And that's why God can use a 14-year-old who's been saved last week. And sometimes he can't use someone who's 45 and has been saved 30 years. And the only difference is one has a soft heart to God and one no longer has. Come on. Hey, I love that we have a senior pastor that's always looking for the potential in people. You know, when I first met Pastor Jared, I was an ex-heroin addict who was in a small church in England in like a really small town, like literally in nowhere. Dorchester crew, mate. Come on. The only person in this place who knows what I'm talking about is Josiah. Because, long story, but he's from there too, which is a miracle, right? But when he saw me, Pastor Jared saw potential in me and called me out to something bigger than was my current world experience. You know, my current experience called me into something bigger. And our church is all about that. So all of across our leadership team and our other teams and our youth leaders and right throughout our entire church and to people you meet on the car park and the people who shake your hands, you come in the door. Many, many, many of us are people who were almost written off by life, but God called us, but not just God, people from this church called us, said, come on. Come on, I see potential in you. There's capacity in you. I can see a heart in you. I'm not distracted by the external and all your failings and your issues, but I'm seeing past that to your potential. Now, we need to keep on being those people. I never want to be a church that's for Christians. Hear what I'm saying? I don't want to be a part of a church that's for Christians. I want to be part of a church that people who aren't yet, but they can come and they can encounter God and be changed and helped. Come on. And saved and set free and healed. And Come on. Hey, we need a change of perspective. We need to change the way that we perceive others. I'm driving down the freeway and uh, I'm pretty peaceful and someone just pulls in my lane. Like just pulls in. And I just got to slow down. And as I slow down, I say, 
How selfish of this person. <laughs> and I began to think about that. How selfish is this person? Hang on. Did this person even realize I had to slow down when they pulled in my lane? Hey, maybe this morning this person had like some traumatic news delivered to them and their head somewhere else. And so the reality is I don't really know they're selfish. I don't actually know anything about them. But I've got an opinion. But here's what I do know. I'm upset because I had to slow down two Ks. There's a passage in the Bible that says this. Stop looking at the speck in your brother's eye while you've got a plank in your own. It's the equivalent of this. It's the equivalent of this. But I literally have a massive plank sticking out my eye. And I'm walking down the road and you see me and I look at you and go, Bro, something in your eye. No, no, the other one. That's it, you got it. All good. Bless, brother. That person would be thinking, this is insane. This is insanity. What's wrong with this person? That's us. Come on, that's us. Our perspective all the time. This is what our perspective does. It looks through a pair of binoculars at someone else's issues, magnifies them, but then turns them around when we look at ours, minimizes them. Come on. We need a change of perspective about the way that we see other people. You know the people who do horrendous things? You know people who just do really bad things? Well, I've met a lot of people in my journey and in my time who, who either have come from a background of addiction like me, and many of them have done bad things. And I've met a whole bunch of people in my time as I've been into jails, or I've met people in recovery who, who've come out of jail or who are on their way to jail who've done horrendous things. But I can't tell you any one of those people who hasn't had horrendous trauma in their life. So I can look at them and I can think, man, what, this, what you do, this is wrong, why should you do that? But I don't, under, I don't perceive what's happened to them. And so I heard this, that instead of saying to ourselves, hey, why do they do that? We should instead be saying, what happened to them? Like, what happened to you? that you would do that. You hear what I'm saying? So instead of why are you doing that, hey, what happened? Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not excusing the behavior. I'm not saying there isn't consequence. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying instead of me with my quick judgment to why someone might do something, maybe I need to ask what happened to them. What happened to them? Because I, as I unpack their story, I might understand more how they might get to such a place. Hey, we need to stop valuing like our perspective so high. You know, like, we, like we, we, we live in a culture where like, hate, you know what I mean? Like, love, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, everything we kind of interact with, we're supposed to have an opinion on. You know what I'm saying? Everything. And I was thinking about this. You know, back in the day, if you had to, now you want to complain about something, it's just a click, mate. You can go on their Facebook, you can blast something out. If you want to complain about something, it takes two seconds and it's going to cause trouble. And they're going to be quick to respond to you, right? Well, back in the day, you had to write a letter. I'm, I'm old school here. I'm taking you way back. You used to, if you wanted to complain, they used to say, please write, complain to us in writing. So you'd have to get a pad and a pen. You'd have to sit down. You'd have to write that thing. 
I could never do on a first draft. I'd make errors. I'd have to then recopy my own letter and rewrite it without the errors in, right? Then I've got to find an envelope. Then I've got to find a stamp. Then I've got to walk to the letterbox and then I've got to post it. During that time, I've got to be extremely motivated. Extremely motivated. You can be pretty sure someone's done something wrong if I'm that motivated, right? And two, I've got plenty of time for feelings to subside. Come on, for feelings just for me to get a little bit more level-headed. And often along that process, I think think I'm going to let it go. Maybe I'm overreacting. But in our culture, there's no time. There's no space for that. And all the time, I write emails, and I'm trying to discipline myself now to pause before I click send. Because so often, I can send something, and the response I get back is not what I anticipated. But what's happened is that the way I've written that, it's appeared to be hostile. I call it being to the point. So now I pause before I send. You hear what I'm saying? I just try to put a bit of space because in our culture, I'm, all, I'm, always, I'm always thinking I'm expected to have an opinion. But actually, I need to think a lot about the things I have an opinion about and ask myself, do I really need to have an opinion about that? Here's an example. I don't like a haircut. I don't know why he chose that color car, right? Come on. Uh, it could just be me, right? It could just be me. Here's the deal, right? How about saying I don't have an opinion on that? Novel. Seriously, I thought about this. Imagine saying, I don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion on that. There's many things that I should be responding to you with, I don't have an opinion. I'm not informed enough. I don't understand enough. I don't know enough. But we live in a culture where all the time you're expected to have an opinion. I think if a lot of people started saying to themselves, I don't have an opinion, the internet would be dead overnight. It'd be like a graveyard out there, mate. (laughs) Seriously. Come on, because we all have an opinion. Like it, love it, you look great, you don't look great. Come on. Come on. Could you, this is too honest for Friday. I should have bought this 12 p.m. Sunday. No. Come on. Come on. Hey, Romans 12.3 says this. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value and an appropriate (laughs) self-esteem. Come on. Come on. Hey, we need to ask God to help us to see from His perspective. Our perspective's off. Our perspective off on others. Our perspective is off on ourselves. Our perspective can be off about God. We need to be saying, hey, God, would you give me your perspective? Would you help me, God, to see the way you see things? This guy, Robert Davidson, he's like this, this Canadian novelist, and he kind of um, comments on humanity. And he says this, the eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. <laughs> we can have a distorted view of reality. We can believe our perception is true when it's false. Everything we see is processed through the filter of our culture, our family of origin, our pain, our trauma, and our life experience. How we see things can be wrong. We need, we need, you know what we need? We need like a sight check. I mean, we need to get, you know, like you go, you know, you go and you get your eyes checked. And if you haven't been for a while, you can, you can sometimes not even notice your eyesight has changed because it changes in increments. So it isn't like it's a big shift. It changes 
incrementally so you don't notice it's shifting. You don't notice it's changing. Your perspective's getting off. It's getting warped. Maybe it's going back to old thinking. But it's getting affected. You don't see it. So we need to keep having a checkup. And I need a checkup every day. <laughs> Come on. I need a checkup every day. What does that look like? It means, it means I've got to go to the Word of God every day and I've got to measure my perspective against that. Not my opinions, not what I'm thinking, not what pops into my head, not what someone else says, but actually what does the Word of God say? I need to keep on, come on, going to God. I need to spend time with God every day. He's kept with God. I need to pray, God, show me the truth. God, show me the truth. God, help me to have your heart. Help me to see people like you see them. Help me to act in a way that you want me to act, God. I, I need you. I need you to even see clearly you know, in this life. Daily we need to do that. I need to be in church. I go to church four times a week. I need to go to church four times a week. God called me to be a pastor because he knows I need to go to church four times a week. <laughs> Come on, I need to keep on going to church. It's not a one-time deal. You know, if you're here tonight and at the end you make a decision for Jesus, you put it in your hand, it's not a done deal. You've got to keep on coming back. Keep on getting more and more of what God wants you. Keep on getting around other people who know God. You know, I go to connect, I got a connect group. My connect's on every two weeks. I got a connect group. I still got a connect group. I've been going to connect group for over 21 years. I need connect group as much now as I needed it then. Why? Because I need my perspective to be adjusted continually. Continually, I need to check. I need to check up from the neck up. Come on. Come on. Romans 12.2 says this, and do not be conformed to this world. So what's it saying? It's saying there's, there's, there's a world that's trying to conform you to it. If you do nothing, you'll be conformed to it. Any longer with its superficial values and customs. Come on, superficial values and customs, but be transformed. Listen, and progressively changed. I love this. Who I am now is not who I'm going to be. Who I, I'm better than I was, but I'm not as good as I'm going to be. You know what I'm saying? I'm being continually transformed. It's progressive. As you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Come on. Like this, you could, I could preach a message on that. It's talking about this. It's saying that you and I, God wants to guide you in your everyday life. God wants to lead you in your everyday life. He has a plan, a purpose, a destiny that he created you for. He wants to unfold that to you. How? Daily, continually, ongoingly. Not a one-time deal, not a once-a-week deal, but continually refresh you and help you. Man, I, I don't spend time with God every day where I, where I get the word out and I pray, but I do it nearly every day. And I need it all the time. And the difference in my day, the difference in my day isn't this much. It's this much. You know what I'm saying? Like it started off with, I've got to spend time with God every day. I'm going to even shoot up heroin. That's how it started. Fortunately, today, that is not a daily occurrence that comes into my mind. Because it's no, only, listen, only because it's been 21 years and with enough pain, that thought will come back, right? But, but, but here's the deal. But every day, I keep on washing myself with God, 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 washing myself with God. Why? Because my mind needs to be transformed. It needs to conform to God, not to the pattern of the world. And the pattern of the world keeps on pulling me back, so I've got to keep on going to God. Come on. I need to have a recalibration on my glasses. I need a new prescription, and God will give you one every day. Come on, every day, God will write you a new prescription. Here's what's so cool that God will tailor what He says specifically to you in your circumstance. Like, this is incredible, hey? That He's doing, can do this for billions of people at once, right? But you can come to God in the morning, and He can make that scripture say something into your life and your circumstance that is profound. And I promise you, if you practice that, it'll happen to you. 
If you each day just read his word, he'll start to speak into your life in profound ways, ways that you can't even really comprehend and explain to another person. It's something you just got to experience. And so I want to encourage you. If you haven't yet begun a relationship with God, then I'm kind of jumping forward a bit. But if you haven't yet begun a relationship with God, at the end of this service, there's an opportunity to do that. Or if today you're a believer, but you're not yet spending time with him regularly, I want to encourage you, make a decision today is the day. You're going to do that. If you once walked with God and you know something what I'm speaking, but you've lost your way, hey, tonight at the end of the service, rededicate. Come on. Rededicate your life. Come on to God. It would be great if the band could come out. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. <laughs> hey, I want to finish with this. God is the only being that can fully see you, fully understand you because you're complex, right? And fully love you. Listen, God's the only being that can fully see you, fully understand you, fully accept you and fully love you. You've got to get a hold of this. A parent cannot do this for you. A parent cannot do this for you. They do not have the capacity to fully know you. Your friend, your bestie, your bestie cannot do this for you. You can have found and you can have think you've told them everything about you, but there's things about you that you don't know. There's many things. I'm, learn- I'm 46 and last week I learned something new about myself. You hear what I'm saying? We are extremely deluded about who we are. Sorry, I'm trying to be positive. It's Friday night. But come on. Seriously. Like seriously, right? So someone can never fully know you can never fully know you. You know, you, you, you can think, oh, I'm going to meet the partner of my dreams and we're going to connect and they're just going to know me. Well, let me tell you, Leah, my wife, does not completely know me. Does not completely know me. One, some things I might not feel comfortable to tell her. I don't tell her every single thing I do every day because I'm a sinner, right? I make mistakes all the time. I don't go home and sit down. Could you sit down? I'm going to tell you all the mistakes I made. You know what I mean? Here's the other thing. If I told her every thought and every feeling, we'd have to do like a three-hour debrief at the end of every day. We don't have three hours to debrief. You know what I'm saying? So I cannot even be consciously trying to hide anything, but you can never really know me. Come on. Think about it. But listen, God knows everything about you. Listen, God knows everything about you. He knows everything. Jeremiah 1.4, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. What does it mean? It means that before you were even conceived, He saw you, He knew you, He formed you, He created you for a purpose and a plan and a destiny. And all your mistakes is seen them. All your errors is seen them. He knew you were going to do them. He knows the ones you haven't done yet and you're going to do. He knows everything about you. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And yet He says, I love you. I love you. I love you. Come on. I accept you. Come on. Come home. Come home. Come home. God loves you and He's for you and He accepts you. Why? Why? Because Jesus Christ died for you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. 
If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.